You're listening to a sermon from Mission City Fellowship of San Antonio, Texas. Mission City Fellowship exists to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ who live all of life for the glory of God and proclaim Christ for the joy of all people. Today's sermon is from John 10, 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Lord, we ask that you would be exalted, Lord Jesus, among us. Lord, that as we've opened your word, Lord, we sang it earlier, and our brother Josh prayed this, Lord, that that through song we would look to you. We would know you. We would, we would be reminded of these wonderful truths of the gospel, of who you are and what you've done. And, and as we open your word, Lord, we pray for, for the same thing, Lord, that we would be aware of you, that we would be most aware of you, that you would take our eyes to look upon you and be amazed at you. Lord, would you grab hold of our minds and our hearts that are so often wayward, so quickly and easily distracted, Lord, we pray, would you grab hold of them and fix them upon you? And we pray, when it's all said and done, through, through a weak little preaching vessel, pastor, through our own weakness of sitting and trying to listen, Lord, we pray, when it's all said and done, Lord, that you would be highly exalted and that we would be, our affections would be laid hold of and that they would grow deeper for you. And Lord, would we rest in you and trust you? Would that be so today? Be exalted among us. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, amen. 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 We we closed out uh, the year looking at our great shepherd in Psalm 23. And today we begin the new year back in the Gospel of John, in John 10, looking at Jesus, our good shepherd. I, I love that. Ending the year looking at our great shepherd, beginning the year looking at our good shepherd. Um, as, as Jesus' people, that's what we do. 
That's the simplicity of the sheep life. We just live to never take our, our eyes off of our good shepherd. We just grow more and more fond of him, more and more affectionate towards him, trusting him more, resting in him more, obediently following him. That is the simple call of the sheep life. <laughs> so in one sense, if you showed up thinking, well, maybe we'll get to something else, maybe money and in, money investment. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what we could have been tempted to show up with. But the core of it all is looking to Christ. That's it. The simple life of the sheep. Look to Christ. Know him as as your good shepherd. Rest in the care of his leadership. Follow him closely. Love him deeply. And in him, you will find true, true, abundant life. That's what I love about the gospel of John and and being in the gospel of, of John. It's been this repeated invitation to come and see and know Jesus this way. Know him like this. When you, when you hear us say, as, as pastors, or maybe even you hear your fellowship group leaders talk about us being Christ-centered or gospel-centered, that's what we mean. We mean that through the word of the Lord, we are looking to Christ as our ever-present shepherd. We, 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 we look to all that he is and what he has done, And we take all of that in and what that means for us for eternity and what that means for us in life today. That's what it means to be Christ-centered or gospel-centered. We just keep looking to Christ and seeing our life translated in light of Christ. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's what we do. That's what we do. What I love hearing about some of our young adults I think we had one make it back today. The others, I think, are still gone. Uh, so, so, Noah, you get an award. You get a prize, brother, for making it back to your home church. Um, no, but what I love is already hearing from them. Is That's the case. They gathered with our family of churches, and what did they hear? About Christ and how marvelous he is and how much he loves his people, how much he loves his church, and how they then, in turn, live in light of Christ. We just never move on from that. So we're part, we are a Christ-centered church, a gospel-centered church, and we are part of a Christ-centered group of family of churches. Um, As we look to Christ and know him as our good shepherd, all of the happenings of our life will be filtered with the reality that Christ is present and powerful. That's why we need to look to Christ. Because when we look to him, It's like this prism, this beautiful prism that when the light strikes, though the light is in within him and it just hits in different colors, right? That's what what looking to Christ does. All the different shades of his grace hit each part of life from our marriages to our singleness, to our hurts, to the troubles, to our sorrows, to our workplaces, to our the way we're neighbors. All of it is hit by the prism of the glory of Christ, who he is, what he's done, the grace of Christ, all all touching every part of life. That's why we just keep looking to Christ. We must look to him. It, it, It filters all of life through the glory and goodness of Christ. We need that because we are so prone to forget that. We are so prone to almost, here's what we do. We look to Christ on Sunday. We gather. We sing songs that point us to Christ. And then we hear sermons that point us to Christ. And then we have conversations that point us to Christ. And then we see, in a way, we go back into our normal life. And it's one way we kind of go, I'm looking to Christ. And then, oh, but there's this that needs to be taken care of. And I struggle with this. And I'm aware of this weakness in my life and all of this. And we begin to look, we begin to look down. We begin to look here. But that's not where we're created to look. Sheep don't, they are not made to look at themselves as they go to the next pasture. They are made to keep their eyes on the shepherd and never stop looking for their shepherd. Amen? That's the sheep life. That's the sheep life. So a question to get us started today as we enter back into John chapter 10. 
What parts of your life do you need to entrust to the good shepherd? What parts of your life today are you walking in where maybe you're not aware of his power and presence? You're not aware that he's a shepherd who's with you today and he's shepherding you through that particular thing. Where, what part of your life do you need to entrust to the good shepherd? Where do you, I want to use a word, need to be convinced this morning that he's a good shepherd and you're a sheep and that means something for everything? I think John 10 today is intended to convince us, to convince you that he is the good shepherd, the long-awaited one that we heard about in the last several weeks in Psalm 23. He is this long way. He is that great shepherd. He is him. I love that. that is, that's the saying that, that's going around the sports world. Oh, he is him. It's, it's like this saying to say, that guy is the guy. You don't mess with that guy. That's, he is him. He, Christ is that one. He is him. He's the one we look to. And John 10 just says, he wants to convince us of that this morning. This is the good shepherd you need. This is him. He's here. Look to him. That's the call of John, right? Look, look, if I could just grab hold of you right now, look to him, look to Jesus. That's the call for us today. Come and know him as you see him, as we read of him. May your eyes be open to him, the heart, your heart and mind be open to him by his grace. And as you look, look to him and have him as your shepherd to know that you have all that you need. Yes, in light of all the troubles you're experiencing, if you have him as your shepherd, you have all that you need. John 10 wants to convince us of that this morning. So with that, with that, the first thing we see as as the word of God convinces us that Jesus is our good shepherd, we see this. Jesus is the good shepherd who confronts false shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd who confronts false shepherds. Jesus is making a strong contrast between himself as a good shepherd, as the good shepherd, and those who have been leading God's people, the Pharisees, who have been not merely bad shepherds, but they actually are false shepherds. They haven't acted as shepherds ought to act at all. John 10 is connected to John chapter 9. And it's been, a, it's been a couple months since we've been in John 9. Uh, if you remember, in John 9, we saw a man who, was, who had been born blind. And so he's basically just left to nothing. He's just a beggar that everyone has seen for years and years. Just this man born blind. And Jesus, Jesus compassionately takes notice of him sets his affection upon him and powerfully heals him. But it's a story not just highlighting physical blindness and Jesus's power to heal. It's a story highlighting spiritual blindness. You remember that? It's a story that this blind man needed the spiritual eyes of his heart opened just as badly as he needed his physical eyes opened. It would be a tragedy If Jesus healed his blind eyes and his eyes opened and instead of seeing Jesus as glorious and marvelous and follow him, he turned and looked at the marvels of the world and said, I want that instead. That would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? Because in the end, that man would be destined to the judgment and wrath of God, separated from God for eternity. He may have physically healed eyes, but oh my on his way to destruction. That would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? So we see that this man needs the eyes of his heart, the spiritual blindness to be open just as badly. And and not just him, the story highlights the spiritual blindness and hard hearts of the Pharisees. Maybe you're not familiar with the Pharisees, but the Pharisees were the spiritual leaders of God's people. They were supposed to be the godly guys. They were supposed to be the ones who had their finger on what God was up to. 
But we see in, this, in the stories and all throughout John, they were the opposite. They were supposed to be these spiritual leaders, but they were spiritually blind. And we're going to see that even more today. And so these spiritual leaders are needing their spiritual eyes open just as much. They want this man. And so what reveals their spiritual blindness is that they want this man who Jesus has healed to reject Jesus. So they're questioning him. If you remember in John 9, they they question him. They question his parents. They're questioning if he was ever truly blind. He must be in cahoots with, he must be in it with Jesus to try to trick everybody, to try to follow Jesus. And they want him to reject Jesus, to denounce Jesus. And he doesn't. And so they reject him. Essentially, they kick him out of the church is what happens. They they kick him out of the place of worship, which is announcing to everyone and announcing to this man, you are ungodly. You are not part of God's family. You are rejected by God. That's what these, these spiritual leaders have done. Because this man won't reject Jesus, they reject him. They cast him out. They hate Jesus, and they hate people who follow Jesus. They are men who are violent and harsh. And as this man is cast out by the Pharisees, the very next thing we see, and I love this, is that Jesus hears that he's been cast out, and he goes and finds him. Doesn't that already start to echo the good shepherd's heart? He hears this man that he's healed has been cast out and rejected. And it purposes to tell us that. He hears it, and so he goes and finds him. And when he finds him, the physical eyes, his physical eyes were opened by Jesus. Now, the spiritual eyes of his heart are opened to Jesus. And he worships Jesus. It's a story that we're to see connected with John chapter 10, what we just read about the good shepherd. It's a story that that we are to see a sheep hurting and broken and in need, unable to save himself. The false shepherds treating him harshly, rejecting him, the one they should have been caring for, they rejected and violently treated harshly and rejected And then the true shepherd of God's people enters the scene, aware of his little herding sheep. He comes and he cares for this little broken sheep and he knows that sheep and that sheep knows him and that sheep follows him. That's what we're supposed to see in that story as we go into John chapter 10. Jesus now in John 10 is confronting these false shepherds who they truly are. In verses 1 through 21, we're going to kind of pick this out. Sometimes we just make our way through it. We'll we'll kind of do that, but we're going to kind of, we're going to grab it at different times, if I could say that. In verses 1 through 21, we see Jesus describe these false shepherds as thieves, robbers, strangers, and hired hands. First, they're like thieves and robbers. Verse 1, truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Thieves try to take things that aren't theirs. It doesn't take us a whole lot of application you're like you, you sat all week and that's what you left with. <laughs> that, that's the definition you got you got it for us that's all I got for you thieves try to take things that are not rightfully theirs they think they can take ownership of something they don't have rightful ownership of and on top of that they go about taking what's not theirs in deceitful scheming ways they don't enter through the door do they thieves don't enter through the door They break the window. They break through things. And in this case, they're climbing over things. 
They don't come in the right way. They, they don't go about it the right way. They try to find other ways, hidden ways, deceitful ways to get what's not theirs. And robbers, Jesus says they're thieves and robbers. Robbers, think of it this way. Robbers are just thieves, but a violent thief. If someone is stealing something from a store, they're a thief. But according to police and law, if they, are, if they are willing to harm someone as they steal, and they do that, they're a robber. That's the threshold. They go from thief to a robber when they're violent. That's what Jesus says about these men who are supposed to be shepherds. Violent, harsh, mean thieves who try to take what's not theirs. That is, these false shepherds, thieves that steal and robbers that steal violently. That's the description that Jesus gives of, of them. The, the, the right way to God's sheep is through Jesus himself, and they are choosing to go a different way. That's essentially what Jesus is getting at. He is the way to the sheep. You want to get to the sheep? I am the way. And they're trying to go around Jesus. They don't want to go through Jesus to get to the sheep. And on top of that, they are adding things to the sheep, like rules and laws outside of God's laws. They're saying, if you want God's life, then you've got to follow these extra rules. Well, that's not walking through the door of the sheepfold. That's trying to go a different way. That's what they're doing. And so they're acting like thieves and robbers, and they're violent. Jesus knows their heart. This is foreshadowing for us. Jesus knows these will be some of the same men who will nail him to a cross. Violent. They're supposed to be shepherds. Harsh and mean and violent. Thieves. Thieves envy and want and covet what they don't have. And they'll do whatever it takes to get what they want. I'm sure they were very aware, these Pharisees, of, of, of the proverb that the king's glory is, in, is found in his, his people. Oh, so let's, we want all the people so we can have glory. They aren't the rightful shepherds of the sheep. They're trying to climb into the sheepfold. That word sheepfold, we don't use that word. We don't use that word sheepfold. So what is a sheepfold? A sheepfold in that, in that region would have been these, these stones that would have been about five to six feet tall. They're stacked up and put in a circle or in a square with an opening. In fact, we have a picture. Can you go ahead and put that up, Eden? That's what these look like. I think sometimes pictures serve us. This is what a sheepfold is. Stones stacked up. Put about five six to six feet, four to six feet high, sometimes round, sometimes square. But they're intended to be the place where the sheep can go and rest securely. So the shepherd would lead them to the sheepfold. And as you can see, there's a little opening there. There's an there's a opening where the sheep would go in and they stay in the sheepfold overnight. It's a safe place. It's where, it's where they're supposed to rest and find security. And Jesus is saying, you are trying, you don't go in through the door. There's a clear door there. You aren't going that way. You are thieves and robbers who try to come around the back and climb over and take what's not yours. That's how you act. That's your heart towards the sheep. You are not the rightful shepherds. You are false shepherds. Verse 5, they're described as strangers to the sheep. So calling to the sheep, but the sheep, the sheep want to flee. They don't really know these voices. These are unfamiliar voices. These voices trying to rule over them, trying to guide them and lead them, but yet harshly. And so the, the, the sheep don't know them. The sheep want to flee from them. They don't, they're not intimate in relationship towards the sheep. They don't know these sheep. And so they're strangers. I saw, I saw a video of tourists who were taken to a, a sheep uh, yard, I guess you would call it. There were all these sheep and a field and and the shepherd taught these tourists his sheep call. And it was kind of unique. It was like kind of a song almost and, and this call that he would do. And he taught these tourists the call. 
And he wanted them to call to the sheep. They're all just scattered out. And so one tourist goes up and begins to call. He, they use the call. And then the sheep don't even budge. And the next tourist goes up. And they go through probably five or six or seven of these moments. The sheep may even look up for a moment and then look back down and keep grazing. And then the most incredible of things, the shepherd himself goes up and does his call. The exact same call. But with his voice, that's the only difference. And those sheep immediately, oh, they stop what they're doing and their ears perk up and their heads look up and they turn towards the shepherd where the call is coming from and they begin to trot over. Here they come. It's the most beautiful of things. And Jesus says, you're like those tourists who don't know my sheep. And you're trying to call to them and they don't have a clue who you are. But when I call to them, They know me. It's beautiful. Verses 12 and 13. They're described as hired hands of the sheep. They are self-seeking and uncaring. He says this in those verses, verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees Because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. That's how he describes these false shepherds, these ones who are spiritual leaders of God's people. Hired hands, they are self-seeking, uncaring. And so they'll just leave the sheep and the sheep are ravaged. That's the description of these false shepherds, thieves, robbers, strangers, hired hands. And and, and you know what? They are being just like the ultimate false shepherd, Satan himself. That's what they're being like, the ultimate false shepherd, Satan himself. I think that's what Jesus is referring to in verse 10 when he's been talking about thieves and robbers. And then he gets to verse 10 and he says, the thief. The thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. These under shepherds, these false under shepherds are being just like their great shepherd, Satan himself. I think that's what Jesus is saying. He connects that even to John chapter eight. This will be up on the screen. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He's speaking to the same people, these religious leaders. They're not serving God. They're serving Satan. Whoa. So that proves you can be religious as all get out and not know Jesus and not serve God, but serve the devil. Because it's not about what we do with our mouths. It's not about going and feeding the hungry and all this kind of stuff. We want to do those things. Christians should do those things. But it's about the heart. Right. And at the core of these men's heart is corruption, darkness, and evil. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of all lies. These false shepherds are doing the will of the ultimate false shepherd's desires. They don't care for the sheep. They're harming the sheep. They're leading the sheep astray. And that is still true of false shepherds today. Isn't it? We see that happening today. There are false shepherds today. You cannot just turn on YouTube or turn on the TV or turn on the radio and just trust this is a good shepherd talking to me. You cannot You must discern what you're hearing because there still are false shepherds this day who could care nothing about you and are self-seeking and are leading people astray. But could I say this? Could I say this? False shepherds are not always people. False shepherds are not always people. A false shepherd can be whatever we are trusting in to lead and satisfy us outside of Christ himself. That is a false shepherd. You're putting your hope in that thing. 
You're hoping it will satisfy you. You're looking for life in that thing. That's what sheep do. They look for life in their shepherd. They depend upon their shepherd to live, to, to give them life. So whatever we turn from Christ and put our hope in to give us life and satisfy us and fulfill us and direct us and lead us, it is a false shepherd. And it comes in many forms. We heard in our, in our series a few, couple weeks ago in Psalm 23, I love this. Rob said this one line. It was great. The heart can make a shepherd out of anything. It is so true. The heart can make a shepherd out of anything. You know, you've heard that saying, we are idol factories. Well, we are false shepherd factories. We are so gullible and such sheep. We will look to anything to care for us and lead us and try to, and try to tend to us. Don't we? I'll tell you one of mine. It's really silly. There are moments when I start feeling down. All of a sudden, that food... I'm just going to gobble it all up. All of a sudden, I'm, I, think I'll just, I think I'll just have a bowl of ice cream. What am I doing in that moment? I'm looking to a false shepherd to tend to my heart. That's maybe a silly illustration to you. I'm, I'm full of those. I'm full of silly illustrations, church. You know that. But I hope you gra- you're grabbing onto what I'm talking about. What are you tempted to give the place of false shepherd that's not Christ? What are you tempted to give that place of shepherd in your life? So false shepherds aren't just the TV evangelists who say, give me more money and you'll get healed. Give me more money, you won't be sick. You'll get wealthy. It's not just that. Precious sheep, open your ears and open your eyes to see there are false shepherds calling to you all day long. What are they? Be aware of them, flee from them, and turn to the true shepherd who can truly care for you. And here's the comfort. Here's the comfort. Just as Jesus is confronting these false shepherds, do you think your good shepherd is going to let you keep going with false shepherds? There are points by the power of his Holy Spirit and through his people around you where he is so faithful and so good to tend to you that he will not stand aside and allow you to continue to follow false shepherds. He will not stand aside as the good shepherd and allow, you, allow, allow a false shepherd to shepherd you. At some point, he will intervene. That is the great comfort for us, isn't it? Even in turning away from false shepherds, you're not left alone. And I praise God for that. He's a faithful shepherd. He is the description of the good shepherd in verses two through four that he gives. He says this, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens the sheep, hear his voice, and he calls to his own sheep by name. We'll talk more about that next week. Next week, there's more good shepherd hear that. He calls to his sheep by name. He didn't just do that back then. He does that today. He knows you. We'll talk more about that later. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he's no thief or robber that is unfamiliar. He's no stranger. He knows his sheep by name. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep Follow him, for they know his voice. The sheep aren't afraid of him. He is no harsh taskmaster that is unfamiliar. They joyfully know him and follow him because he is their true shepherd. He is their rightful shepherd, and he is a good shepherd. That is Jesus. But he doesn't just describe himself as a shepherd leading the sheep. We often think of that. He's solely the shepherd who leads us. But Jesus adds to that. Second, we see that he is the good shepherd who is the door to abundant life. He's the door to abundant life. He says in verse 7, or beginning in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, skip down to verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Going back to the sheepfold, Ian, can you put that past picture up with just the sheepfold? Going back to this, you might have been thinking when we first saw this, the sheepfold, you're saying, that's so silly. There's no door. You, you're right. In one sense, like, why would they not put a door there? It, the sheepfold is meant to be a place of protection and guarding and keeping. But why is there no door? Because of this. Can you put the other picture up? That's a shepherd. The shepherd is the door. That's what Jesus has in mind and wants you to picture when he says, I am the door to the sheep. He is the gate. He is the living door that nothing goes through and nothing comes out of. And if it's going to go in, it must go through him. That is the shepherd of your lives. Listen, listen to this. There was, a, there was a, 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 an Old Testament scholar, a Scottish Old Testament scholar uh, who was traveling through the Middle East and he was encountering shepherds. And this was written about his encounter with one shepherd. It says this, this will be up on the screen. He was one day traveling with a guide. So this is about Sir George Adam Smith. It says, he was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with him. The man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. So that sheep fold, that big stony area, it consisted of four walls with, with a way in. Sir George said to him, that is where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd. And when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there is no door, said Sir George. I am the door said the shepherd. He was not a Christian man. He was not speaking in the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, what do you mean by the door? Said the shepherd, when the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out, but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. I am sorry, you have a pastor who cries all the time. Jesus. Put that, put that picture back up, Eden. That's what Jesus wants you to picture when you picture him. You are not a sheep left alone. You are not a sheep that he calls to you and then just leaves you alone. You are not a sheep just left in a field. He is not a shepherd hiding from you. He doesn't call you into the sheepfold and he ducks around the corner. He's like, you got to find me now. You got to guess if I'm with you. He is at that door day and night with you. And nothing goes in that he does not allow in. And nothing or no one comes out of there except over his body. Is that not the sweetest picture that Jesus could paint for you? There are some people who think you can go through life without that shepherd. Without the shepherd at the door. Without the shepherd watching over you and tending to you and caring for you and guarding you. And you can't live that way. Something will see there is no shepherd watching over you and will hunt you down. And it will be that enemy that we talked about. That, that wicked thief, Satan himself, who hunts down to kill and steal and destroy. We all need a good shepherd like this. Never leaving. Always with us. Oh, sear that. May the Lord Jesus sear that into your minds and hearts. A shepherd at the door. And not just at the door, 
He is the door. That's the picture. Through him, you're brought into the sheepfold. You're brought into his pit. You're brought in and gathered with his people, with his sheep, the sheep of God, the family, the sheep family of God. And you're kept by him in the security of his sheepfold. And as he releases you into the world, I think that's the picture we get when he says they're going to come in and out for pasture. It's not like you leave his family and come into his family. You leave his family, come into his family. That's not later on in John. He's going to say that next week. He's going to say that no one can take you out of my hand. I'm not going to let you go. He's not talking about that. What he's talking about is as you're brought into his family and then you go into the world for pasture, for life, you go out and live, he is still the shepherd tending to you. These sheepfolds were often built close to or even attached to the home of a shepherd, of the shepherd. There were sheepfolds built into the wilderness so that as they were out in the wilderness at night, they could bring them in and keep them safe. But there were sheepfolds at home as well that were attached to their home. And so in one sense, to be brought into the sheepfold as sheep was to be brought home. And isn't that true for the Christian? We are brought into the family, the home of God through Christ. That is our home. That is our place now. That is the sheepfold. It's just beautiful. It's a place where when you think of home, the household of God, Peter would say, to, to be brought into the safest place. That's what home is. It's to be the safest place for us. It's the safest place for a sheep that, that, they, that they could be. A place of rest and refuge. A place where you can be refreshed and restored. A place where you are kept in and guarded. A place where life can flourish abundantly. Where we're given life, eternal life. But even, even a flourishing, supernatural, abundant life now. Now, in our camp, we strive to be theologically sound, doctrinally sturdy people in the reformed world. And so we get to verses like this when it says, Jesus says, I came to give you abundant life, life and abundantly. And because we see others in other camps abuse those words, we steer away from those words too. Even as pastors, you can feel a little bit of that pressure. Beginning of the week, you're gonna study the word. And you're like, well, we're gonna get to abundant life. Oh boy, <laughs> how are we gonna talk about that? Jesus says that just because people do stuff wrongly and interpret scripture wrongly in other places doesn't mean we should then disregard what Jesus says. I think it's the same thing for the gifts of the spirit. We do that, don't we? I have talked to Baptist pastors. I have a sweet pastor friend. Why do you stray away from the gifts of the spirit, my friend? Well, because I see people do it wrongly. I've seen people abuse that. I've seen just bad practices, all this. That is a terrible reason. Because if Jesus says it, if the word of God says it, shouldn't we pursue that? Shouldn't we talk about it? Who cares if they're doing it wrong over there? Well, I do care. We should care. We want them to do it right. We want them to talk rightly. We want them to believe rightly. But I want to believe what Jesus says and what the word of God says. So, abundant life. Abundant life. It, he doesn't mean that we will never get sick if we have enough faith. He doesn't mean that we will get wealthy if we give all our money to televangelists. He doesn't mean that. That's not the abundant life Jesus is saying. He's saying it is the abundant, never-ending, overflowing life of Christ ready to meet you when you are going through life's hurts. You live in a hard world, saints. You are sheep. We are sheep. We live in a hard world. There are thorn bushes all the time. There's, there's mud puddles. There's wolves. There's all sorts of stuff. There's parasites and sickness and all sorts of stuff. It is the abundant, overflowing, never-ending, immeasurable life of Christ in us that sustains us through this difficult world onto eternity. I think of it like this, that 
It's where the, it's where the eternal life Christ has prepared for us in, meets us. It breaks forth in the here and now and sustains us with life for today. The eternal life prepared that Christ has prepared for us that breaks into the here and now and sustains us with life for, the, for, the, for today. So it's life in the midst of suffering. It's life, the life of Christ in the midst of sorrow. It's the life of Christ in the midst of need and uncertainty. It's that abundant life flowing in your veins through Christ. That's it. You have modeled that so well, church. So many of you, I have just watched you. I've watched you as an under-shepherd I've watched you as a fellow sheep. And I personally have been able to say, oh my goodness. Lord, fill me with life like you have filled them with life. As I see them suffering, as I see them go through hard things and sorrows and hurts and pains and uncertainty and all of that. And yet I hear them talk and I hear them pray. And even through tears, they love you. That is the abundant life of Christ flowing through you. I got to see that this past week through Roel and Charlene. I don't want to embarrass you at all. The precious saints, I got to see that firsthand. I, I got to stand in their ministry home that they have used. They, it, there have been memories made in that home. There have been children's pitter-patter of their feet run through those, those wooden floors. There have been all sorts of wonderful gospel opportunities happen. They, they've hosted and helped people, migrants and all sorts of people through that home. There has been Christ shared and people come to Christ in that home. There's been such joy take place in that home. And then to stand there with Roel in the living room of that home, charred. You would think the world would say, Oh, the same way that home burnt up, their hearts must be burnt up. And though there are real tears, though there are real tears for stuff like that, there are real hurts, there are real uncertainties for them even. Yet I heard over and over again them confessing, the Lord is, the Lord is good. The Lord is my shepherd. We cried tears. There's these moments with Roel in the living room and we're looking and it's charred, it's all black and there's this one picture on the wall that the tips of it are, are seared. In the middle of it, this white, bright white beauty with a Bible verse on it. The Lord is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And I hear through them I see in them living that out. I, I came home to Danielle and I said, babe, I just, I saw such big faith today. And yet hearing them, I know they would say, I have my heart, it's just brokenhearted. It feels like I'm in a cloud. And yet as, as others watch, you say, wow, the abundant life of Christ clearly flowing through you, saints. Precious saints, may the Lord continue his work in you. And may he continue that in all of us. That is the abundant life of Christ. Oh my goodness. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. I, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Oh. be brought into that life is not like Jesus. Sometimes we can think of it like this, like Jesus reaches into his pocket and he takes out and empties his pocket and gives us life like this. And when he lets go of it, it's like it's disconnected from him. But that's not this life. When Jesus gives life to us, it's found in him. It's, it's relational. It's that we are brought into relationship with him. It's that we, he uses words like this, that we know him and he knows us. And in that knowing relationship, there is life given. As we look to him, as we hear him, there's life that flows through our veins and our, 
bodies and our hearts and our minds. It's in, it's in relationship with him. The, the, this word, when he talks about knowing, it's this word of relational intimacy. Not just knowing by our minds, not just knowing about him. That, oh yeah, he's a good shepherd. No, it's knowing in our hearts, knowing him relationally, in a word intimately. Not to, not to make that word weird or anything, but it's an intimate, close, relational not knowing. A relational knowledge. And that's what Jesus brings us into. When he brings us into his sheepfold, he's not just bringing us in to partake of what he has to give. He's bringing us in to partake of relationship with him. Isn't that good? That is the sweetest thing. That is the reality of our relationship with him. It's intimately close relationship with him. The Pharisees shepherded people in a way that said, if you are going to have life in God, then you have to work for it. You got to do all these things. You got to jump through these hoops. Jesus comes on the scene and shepherds his people by saying, if you want to have life in God, come and be in a loving relationship with me and receive all that I have to give you. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? In verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And listen to this radical line. Verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father. (laughs) What? There is no closer relationship in the universe than Jesus and God the Father, where where love flows unhindered and there is a relational, intimate knowledge of one another. There is no greater loving union than between father and son. There is no greater awareness of one another, no greater relational honesty and genuineness. And yet that is what Jesus uses to describe the immeasurable relational knowledge he knows us with how, how he and how he intends for us to know him. That is shocking. Did you catch that? Like the father knows me and I know the father. I know you and you know me. That is amazing and shocking. He knows your name, your motives, your longing, your loves, what you enjoy, your circumstances, your weakness, your struggles, your sin, your experiences, past, present, and future, your hurts and pains and trials. He knows who you truly are at your core. He knows you better than you know yourself. And yet, the miracle of it all, though he knows us so well, he does not reject us or cast us away. Let those truths of who Christ is and what he's done for us and his relationship towards us blow your mind away and grab hold of your second-guessing heart. You may not always feel like you're in relationship, in a sense, with him, but he's in relationship with you the way he is with his father. And that relationship isn't going anywhere. Let that sturdy you about what you think of him whenever you're tempted to doubt him. Let that grab hold of your heart when you're you're tempted to question his motives for you. Let that grab hold of your mind when you're tempted to be suspicious of his intentions towards you. He is forthright and open and honest with you just as he is with the Father. Nothing hidden from you. Nothing that you need to know. And the fact that he would desire us to know him in a similar way is amazing. That means he's not hiding from you. It means he's not keeping himself from you. He doesn't keep himself from the Father and hide away from the Father. Through his written word, he has and is and continues to reveal himself to us intimately. 
so that through the Spirit at work in us, he is taking what we know and what we read with our minds and applying it to our hearts so that we know and love him as our living God and our good shepherd that we can trust. Oh, can I just tell you, we're almost done. Can I just tell you, as a pastor, as an under shepherd, I feel like that's what I live for. I live, I feel like that's what we exist for. To say, we want you to know Christ, to know him, to know his heart for you, to know his motives, to know, to know his intentions. He, he, it's all here, saints. It's all here. So that when you forget, you can go back here and you can know him and you can trust him. And as a pastor, that's what I feel like I just exist for. Is I just say, look to Jesus. Look to him. Know him, saints. Know him. You can trust him. You don't have to second guess him. You can rest in him. And be free then to love him and know his love for you. Last, as we close, we see he is the good shepherd who lays down his life. For our life. How are we brought into this amazing, secured relationship? How are we brought into the sheepfold when we are so stinky and dirty, when we are so filthy and he is so holy? How are we brought into his family that the shepherd would lay down his own life for us? Jesus says, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hear that opposite. That's the opposite of these false shepherds who abuse the sheep, who use their power and authority to lord it over the sheep, who harm the sheep. Here, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. There you are. There's your name in the story. I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Oh, So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. Hear that. Unmatched authority. Where it looks like Pontius Pilate is the one doing this. Where it looks like the Jewish leaders are doing this, where they're sending him to the cross where it looks like the Roman government has a role in all of this, that they're the ones doing this. No, Jesus says, I give my life by my own authority. That's what kind of shepherd he is. He didn't have to give his life, but he gives it. He gives it on his own authority. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. The wonder of our shepherd is that he would Come to shepherd our souls, wonder of wandering sheep, by willingly becoming a sacrificial sheep in our place. The wonder of it all is that the great shepherd would become the sacrificial sheep. That's the wonder of it all for us. He would he would obey the Father in our place, where we would just absolutely run rampant and disregard the Lord. He would obey as this perfect little sheep, this spotless lamb. And then he would give himself as the sacrificial lamb for all these other stinky sheep like us. Isn't that sweet? Hear this. Jim Hamilton is a pastor and an author. Wrote this. No one has been truer to us than Jesus. No one has shown more commitment to our good than Jesus. No one traveled further to redeem us, suffered more shame, endured greater gain or pain, made better promises, and in every way shown himself worthy of all we have and are. Oh, how he loves us. This is a world of uncertainty, but we can be certain about Jesus. His body and blood bought our lives and his body and blood bear us up on the journey to the land where he is king. This is our shepherd. 
This is our friend. This is the one who knows us. The one who lays down his life for us. Oh, amen. Saints, the the call of John 10, the call for us this morning, wherever you find yourself, whatever you're experiencing, whatever your circumstances, whatever it may be, what do you do? Look to your good shepherd. Look to your good shepherd. Look at how good he has been. Look at how courageous he is. There has been none truer to you. There is no false shepherd that's been truer to you. There's been no one else who has laid down their life like he has for you. He truly is the good shepherd. Look to your shepherd. Amen. Let's pray.